Uh, we're going to go into Faith That Shakes. This is part 32. We're looking at Acts 19, part 2, or this is part 3, Acts 19, part 3, and maybe we'll get into Acts 20, I doubt it. I'm sorry, I'm kind of parked here, and I don't have much time. So I want to say a prayer. We're going to review, introduce, and jump right into the text itself. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my pathway. I thank you, God, for the power that's tucked away in that word. I pray that you would take the lid off, God, reveal the truth in there to all of us, Lord, and push us forward into your plans and purposes. For this, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Now, we looked at the incredible events of Acts 19, where you had the unusual miracles taking place through handkerchiefs and aprons, the anointing of God. We see where this was an affront to Artemis or Diana. This was a direct confrontation with theology surrounding her spirituality, her spiritual reality. And Paul confronts her, the Holy Spirit confronts her, this goddess, this system that had so controlled and manipulated these people in this region for so long. And I just want to reiterate this major point. What would give Paul or other believers the kind of confidence that he exhibited in Acts 19. And we looked at it last week. The confidence came from not only knowing Jesus, but knowing who they were in Christ. Not only knowing what God had done in Christ, but what Christ had done in them, what God had done in them through Christ. And so they positionally had stepped up and began functioning at the level of the spiritual reality that God had done, had worked, the work that God had done in their lives. They began to function at a higher level. And so it made such a difference. They were so powerful and so effective. They reasoned, it says that, dialogued. Isaiah 118 says, come let us reason. Let's make things clear. Let's argue. Let's dialogue. Let's go back and forth to get to the truth of the matter. But, but they also had miracles. I believe reasoning is for us today from the Scripture, teaching the Word, opening up the Word. But I also believe that miracles are for us today. I don't believe miracles have ceased. I believe miracles still take place. But having said that, the reality was this, and it is this today. Reasoning and dialogue, even coupled with miracles, even unusual miracles, that's not enough for some. As a matter of fact, that's not enough for most. The great apostle Paul preached. Through the great apostle Paul, unusual, powerful miracles took place. And yet, most in that culture did not believe. Is that crazy or what? Amazing stuff happened, and yet everybody didn't believe because people still have the power to choose. And we like, 
our little pet gods and our little pet things and the things that we hold on to. We like to hold on to those things. And so when the Holy Spirit confronts us powerfully with the Word, with revelation of the Word, and even with signs and wonders following, we still have to make that choice to bow the knee, to humble ourselves, and to follow Jesus by taking up our cross every day. And people just like their stuff. I'm reminded of a couple of stories quickly, one that comes to mind even from here in this church. In the early days of LifePoint, there was a young uh, a, a child who, who had a condition, a, a serious condition. And, and without giving away too much, this church prayed and there was a miracle wrought in that child's body that was, in my opinion, undeniable. And, and there was an effect on others as a result of that, but in the end, it didn't really make a lot of difference. I think of another family that, that came to a, another church that we pastored up in the great white north. Oh, I love you, Tim, but oh, thank you, Jesus. When I stepped off the plane today and I took my scarf and my gloves off, and Alexander was like, man, I, I got these long johns on and stuff. Like, wow, it's hot. Woo, it was awesome. Am I telling the truth? Oh, man, it was awesome. Because I tell you what, Canada gets cold. But anyhow, when we were in the north, we were pastoring a church. And, and I've, I've shared this story probably. It's just a powerful story to me. I, I took a young man with me down to Richmond, Virginia, went to Walter Reed, walked into a hospital room, ICU. Guys paralyzed, been unconscious for days, in a coma, uh, tubes everywhere, total wreck. A young couple had just started coming to our church. It was part of their family. They asked me to go down from Baltimore to Richmond and pray for this family member. I walk in with this young man. I told him, I said, I want you to agree with me that God's going to raise this kid up because God wants to do a great work. And I said, I don't exactly know how to handle this or what the nurses are going to let us do. But I brought my Bible in there. And it was hard to have faith looking at this broken body in front of me. I mean, it's... Uh, had the respirator going, it was a mess. But I opened my Bible, and I just kind of laid it across the bed, and I said, I, I, I know you don't know me, but my name's Donovan Hill. I pastor a church in Maryland, and uh, your family has asked me to come pray for you. But I don't want to just pray for you. I want God to raise you up and heal you. And it's really hard for me. I was just talking to this, for all I knew, a corpse, you know, laying there. And I said, I don't know exactly how to do this. And I, it's really hard for me to believe that God could do this, but I'm just, I, I do believe it anyway, and to bolster my faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, I'm going to read a few scriptures just to help you and me out, and we're going to agree together, and we're going to believe that God's going to raise you up, and God's going to raise you up, and I opened my Bible, and I went to Isaiah 53, and it says, you know, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed, and I said, and Peter quoted this scripture, and talked about healing of the physical body and, and said, for by his stripes, we were healed. If we were, we are. We're healed. God's already done the work. We just want to reach out and claim it in Jesus' name. I read a few other scriptures to him, Bobby, and, and I just, I, when, I got, when I got done, when I got done, I just, I, I, I took the James passage that said, let the elders of the church be you know, called upon and lay hands on the sick and the Lord will raise them up. If they've committed sin, will be forgiven. I just said, so I'm going to lay my hands on you and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to flow on you and heal all that's wrong with you and raise you up. 
I got this guy Andrew with me. He's going to bleed with me. And if as Andrew and God are my witnesses, I laid hands on this guy. We began to pray, and he started shaking and quivering, and alarms started going off, and nurses ran in, and doctors ran in, and they were mad at us and told us to get out. And just a few weeks later, that guy walked into our church in Bel Air, Maryland. It was a miracle. It was astounding. And I was there. I saw it. I know you guys didn't see it, but just hear what I'm saying. I saw it. It blew my mind. I'm not saying I was like, see, I told you so. I was like, wow. He was just, uh, you talking about getting juiced up. Like, I'm like, who's next? You know, like, where can we go? I mean, it was so exciting. And that guy walked in our church, but through some offense and a couple of issues about a televangelist, uh, they said, we're not, we're never coming here again. And they quit church. And they quit going anywhere. So reasoning and dialogue along with powerful demonstration. Listen, don't fool yourself and say, if I saw an incredible miracle, I'd believe then. Not necessarily. Because it's a humbling thing to bow the knee and take up your cross. Miracles are exciting and stuff, but man, like taking up your cross, not so much. And so following Jesus is a a matter of the heart. You hear what I'm saying? So the great apostle Paul dialoguing, preaching, and even miracles taking place was not enough to win the majority, but he did win some. And he went on to confront the prevailing spirit of the area, defied her with that handkerchief ministry. We talked about that. And that stirred up some stuff. Actually, it stirred up some spirits. Let's pick it up at verses 13 through 17. Are you with me? Are you excited about this? Woo! Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. What? Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, quote, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches, unquote. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva. This is a great story. A Jewish chief priest who did so. So you have seven sons of Sceva who are exorcists as well. And they're going to use the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So apparently, let's unpack this, there were bands of traveling Jewish exorcists. They went around and, quote unquote, delivered people who were possessed with evil spirits. Others 
besides the seven sons of Sceva did this, apparently, because it says also seven sons of Sceva, they did this. So let me ask you, did they really exercise evil spirits, demon spirits? Did they really do that? Well, I don't really know. Supposedly they did. At least people thought they did. But from this story, it looks like they really didn't. It looks like it was smoke and mirrors and just a lot of show. But Paul came along and succeeded in doing what they had only pretended to do. So these exorcists began to adopt the Jesus part of Paul's vision. He had a vision. You know what it was? Jesus people mission. And they decided to adopt the Jesus part of Paul's vision. And among these exorcists, you had this very religious family, Sceva. He's a Jewish high priest. That's controversial when it comes to the historical record and with commentators. Uh, he was a priest. Was he a high priest? There's no record of a high priest in Jerusalem. Perhaps he was a leading priest in a synagogue. Uh, he had seven sons. Are these actually biological sons, or are they uh, disciples who followed him? Was he their rabbi? We're not exactly sure, but there's seven sons of Sceva. There's this guy, the high priest. They're exorcists. And in our story, when they really did come in contact with a demon-possessed man who really was possessed with an evil spirit, they did not exorcise the evil spirit. Actually, it looks like the opposite happened, and the evil spirit exorcised the seven sons of Sceva. They attempted to cast out this evil spirit by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, this didn't go too well. They end up naked, beaten up by one guy, seven guys stripped and beaten up by one guy who was demonically possessed. We'll take a look at that in a minute. But I'm just thinking to myself, that's got to be bad for the exorcism business, wouldn't you think? It would be really, because it says that everybody heard about it. Front page of the paper, seven sons of Sceva, stripped, beaten up, out of business, right? Who's going to call them, right? Who are you going to call? You're not going to call them. <laughs> and so they attempted to cast out the evil spirit by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now that's important. This is a specific Jesus, the Jesus that Paul preached. Because there were many people in that day, men named Jesus. The word is Yeshua or Joshua. It was a common name. There were a lot of Jesuses or Joshuas. We're going to see one in a moment who was Simon or Elymas, but he was also known as Bar-Jesus. He was a magician. He was a sorcerer. He was the son of a guy named Jesus. It was a common name. But this Jesus... Paul's Jesus was different. There was power in the name of this Jesus. <laughs> Woo! The person who bore this name, Jesus, was unlike all the other folks who had ever borne that name, right? This Jesus was God in flesh, Son of Man, Son of God. This was 
the Jesus. Mary was told by the angel, you'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This Jesus was different. And these seven sons of Sceva wanted the power that was in the, the name Jesus whom Paul preached. We saw how powerful this was in Paul's deliverance ministry. He wasn't stripped and beaten up. Even his sweatbands would touch somebody and the anointing would flow to them. What was causing that? The power of the name of Jesus, whom he served, whom he worshipped. And these guys wanted that power that Paul had tapped into. Now, here's a thought. These folks in Ephesus were very superstitious. They attributed all bad luck, all sickness and disease, all setbacks financially and marriage trouble and and, uh, business problems. They associated all of that with evil spirits. Now, this is not a Bible study on that. Uh, Obviously, evil spirits exploit, get involved in all kinds of different things. But these were very superstitious people. And so any problems that they had, they would just say, well, it's the devil. The devil's doing this. And so you had itinerant exorcists who would, would come in and save the day. And they would do their little incantations and their little rituals. And, and Jews in particular had all kind of interesting uh, idiosyncrasies. They, they had uh, things that were just strange and unusual and flashy, and, uh, robes and and ephod and all kind of things and they could bring these out and say different prayers and and do kind of different things and and if people got better they would say well you know that's fifty dollars thank you very much you know we're out of here if they didn't get better they'd say well they got some other other kind of problem y'all got other issues here so it was easy you know to take the credit or pass the buck as it were and and the superstitious people just kind of took that but having said that there was real demonic activity, oppression, even possession in that day. And Paul was flowing in it for real as well. In other words, as real as the demonic oppression was, the anointing on Paul and in the power of the name of Jesus was as real. Here's a couple more things to notice. Are you with me? First thing. The evil spirit spoke through the man he possessed and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Here's the point. The devil knows who his enemies are, and he knows them by name. He knows them by name. He knew Jesus, and he knew Paul. There's a cool nugget tucked away in the story of the demoniac of Gadara, and that's told in several Gospels, but for time's sake, one of my favorite stories I like to preach about this cat. This guy's possessed with thousands of evil spirits, and there's a spokes demon that says, we are all known as legion. We are many. It means 2,000, 3,000, 6,000, whatever. It can mean a lot of demons. So this guy's possessed with a bunch of demons, and, and when Jesus steps off the boat, Jesus has been in Galilee and Judea, and he's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. He's been doing powerful things. Powerful. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religious activity. I'm talking about Jesus 
has been preaching the gospel, calling men and women to repentance, and casting out demons and healing the sick. I mean, powerful things have been taking place. And when Jesus leaves Judea and Galilee, Galilee and, and goes across the lake and comes to Gadara, when he disembarks, when he gets off the ship, the demoniac comes running up to him and says, I've heard of you. I know who you are. Your reputation precedes you. Have you come to torment me? Have you come now for me? I know there's a day coming when when it's all going to wrap up, but have you come to torment me now before that time? I've heard of you. I know who you are. Now, there's, there's a lot packed in there. You're the seed of the woman. You're the seed of Abraham. You're the promised one. You're the Messiah. I've heard of you. But where had those demons in the maniac heard of, of Jesus? They didn't go to Sunday school, right? They didn't hear from Cynthia or Julie. This is Jesus, little demons, you know. Here he is, flannel graph Jesus. They, 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 they had not gone to Sunday school. Here's the deal. Those demon spirits had heard of Jesus that, that he was alive on the planet doing his thing. They heard that either from the testimony of human beings saying, there's a man named Jesus who healed me. There's a man named Jesus who delivered me. Or they heard it from their fellow demon spirits that said, we have been disembodied. We've been cast out. Beware. There's a man that walks among us who's no ordinary man. And he goes by the moniker, by the name, Jesus. He's the one you better watch out because he's coming. And he's coming with a vengeance. And so when, when he steps off the boat, that guy comes running, demonically uh, inspired. I know who you are. I know where you've come from. Those demon spirits knew who Jesus was. The demons in Gadara knew who Jesus was. And the evil spirit in Ephesus said the same thing. I've heard of Jesus and I've heard of Paul. And this evil spirit in Ephesus, that's interesting to me, not only heard of Jesus, but he heard of Paul. He's like, I know Jesus, Jesus Christ, Messiah. But I also know this other guy named Paul. Now, this is good. This is a nugget. If you've been in, in our Faith That Shakes series, it's going to ring a bell. But we, we've seen something that, that's so powerful, I, I would be remiss not to bring it out. Check this out. Paul was not born Paul. He was born Saul. He was named after King Saul, the first king of Israel. That was his birth name. He was known as Saul until the Holy Spirit said, separate into me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them. We saw this in Acts 13, and they go to the island of Cyprus, and they begin a ministry. And when Sergius Paulus, who was the proconsul or the governor of the island of Cyprus, when he was about to believe in Jesus, there was a guy that 
was hindering him. Just, just hindering this guy from believing. And Saul looked at this guy who was the hindrance. His name was Elymas or Bar-Jesus, a sorcerer. He, he just had a bad effect on Sergius Paulus. And Saul confronted him and smote him blind. The Holy Spirit rose up and, and Saul went to another level. And from then on became known as Paul. He went from Saul, a prophet and a teacher, into Paul with an apostleship. He went to the next level when he confronted who? The devil. When he confronted the devil, his name was changed, and he was referred to as Paul. And I love it. When you look at this story in Ephesus, he said, Jesus I know. And Paul, I know. There's a reputation. This guy is kind of like David. David uh, has, has killed a bear. David has killed a lion. And he's coming for Goliath. And those demons are saying, Paul's got corn in the crib. He confronted Sergius Paulus, uh, that guy that was hindering him from believing, confronted that old sorcerer friend of ours. And, and, and he, he's, he's supernatural. Unusual miracles are taking place to him. I know who this guy Paul is. And, and let me just say this right now and kind of bring some, some uh, bring it down to earth for us right now. Jesus can work such a powerful change in your life that the devil doesn't even acknowledge your old self but the new self that you've become, the new creation in Christ Jesus. In other words, there can be such a change wrought in your life by the power of God. You hear what I'm saying? It's a Wednesday night. It's the last service of 2016. You hear this 50-year-old preacher when I tell you this. I don't care what your past has been and what mistakes you've made in the past. God can work such a work in your life. But you've got to cooperate with that work. A lot of us want God to take us to the next level without us overcoming. Hear me. Overcoming at the level that we're already at. We want to put a third story on a house that doesn't even have a foundation yet. I hope this makes sense. This is a walk, brothers and sisters. And you, you, you start, here's where you start, right where you are. And you say, Lord, I'm facing this obstacle, this oppression, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to change. We're going to see this in a second. I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm going to overcome this sin and this weight and this thing that holds me back. And then we step up a little higher. And these little devils that used to bother us now, they say, Donovan, I know. But then I come into the realm of some others. And they've been warned about me. He overcame the bear. Now I'm facing some lions. And I just walk, again, faithful. I'm going to make some changes, Lord. I'm going to bow the knee to you. I'm going to overcome this oppression, this obstacle, this demonic activity, this, this evil that's trying to work against me. And we step up another level. And eventually, we get to the place where, yeah, Jesus I know, and Cynthia I know, Milton I know, Valerie I know, Jared I know. 
I know these people because they're overcomers. Overcomers. Here's an interesting point. The enemy doesn't consider you to be a threat. If he doesn't consider you to be a threat, he doesn't even bother to get your name. I want LifePoint. I want Donovan. I want Valerie. I want my kids. I want my grandkids. I want my congregation. I want my friends. I want us to be known in hell. I want us to be known as people who overcome by the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Wrapping up. Now, we also know that we, we see where this one guy with an evil spirit overpowered literally beat the socks off of the seven sons of Sceva. Seven sons of Sceva were trying to use or invoke the name of Jesus, specifically Jesus the Christ, whom Paul preaches, but they had no, or, no connection, no authentic connection, no relationship with him. Seven sons of Sceva did not know Jesus. As a result, the devil did not know them. You can't fight demonic oppression, engage in spiritual warfare in the name of Jesus whom Donovan preaches or Jesus whom my mother worships or Jesus whom my father serves. You've got to know him for yourself. There's some spiritual oppression that your spouse cannot overcome for you. Your pastor cannot overcome for you. Your parents cannot overcome for you. Your peers cannot overcome for you. You have to overcome it with you and Jesus. But just you and Jesus is enough. If God is for us, who can be against us? I know a name that's higher than every other name. Now, this guy also had supernatural strength. Weird. But that's the demonic side, the dark side. There's a bright side also. We see where Elisha outran the chariots of Ahab. Samson carried off the gates of Gaza. When it's needed, God can bring that. Now, instead of humiliating, being a humiliating setback for the, uh, instead of this humiliating setback for the itinerant exorcist ministry being a setback for the name of Jesus, it was not. As a matter of fact, it was a catalyst. It had the opposite effect. Look at verses 18 through 20. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's pretty much 50,000 days of work. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So, here's the deal. Many, look at the wording, many who had believed, were these believers? Many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. When did this happen? When the seven sons of Sceva had this incident. Many who had already believed confessed their secret sins. It's already really, really quiet in here, so I might as well just like make it even quieter. There were believers in the congregation at Ephesus who had secret, unconfessed sins. I would say at life point, there are believers, yea, even in this small crowd tonight, who have 
secret, unconfessed sins. I'm not looking at anybody. And they began to confess their secret sins, and they dumped their stashes. You know, their secret stashes. They were believers who had secret sins, and they had secret stashes of idols and witchcraft stuff. Stuff that demons used as gateways or entrances or means of controlling the congregation. Oh, my goodness. If you really want to live the free life, be free in your worship, free in your relationships with your brothers and sisters, and free as a soul winner, you start confessing and forsaking your sins, and you start getting rid of your secret stashes of stuff, your drunk drives, the little boxes with your stuff in it. I told you it's quiet. It's my, might as well make it really, really quiet. Let me just lighten it up for a moment. We had a light pointer on our beginning of the year fast that let me know, called me up and let me know that he was fasting pot in the month of January. He was going to put pot on the marijuana on the altar. Now listen, to some of us that's like, that's crazy. Are you kidding me? Like you smoke pot. You're a Christian. You smoke pot. I, I deal with people every day, and they tell me, I don't do drugs anymore. Do you smoke pot? Well, yeah. I smoke me a little weed, you know. You don't do drugs. Oh, God, no. Lord delivered me. I smoke a little weed every day, though, you know. Take the edge off. That kind of thing. Well, we had a, a dear life point believer who fasted marijuana. Now, this cat, if you knew him, this was a great step forward. We rejoice over any progress, and this was great progress, that he was going to fast marijuana in the, in the least little bit. Uh, so what I'm saying is there, there are people there are people in this room, there are young people, there are middle-aged people, there's older people that, that have secret sins and secret stashes, and, and because of a, a, a power encounter, like we can have a powerful service, God can deliver somebody in a powerful way, or, or we can see somebody uh, overcome like the seven sons of Sceva. The, the spirit world can get uh, activated, right? There can be some movement there. And, and all of a sudden there is a, a power encounter. And Paul is, is the man. The authority is established. The work of God is firmly established. Like there's no doubt where the name of Jesus is hovering, right? Where the center of that flow is in the body of Christ. And when that happens, it's amazing. What can happen, there can be a, 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 an effect on the church that people say, I'm sick of being fake. I'm sick of hiding my stuff. I want to get real with this thing. And when that happens, man, the word of, it says it here, the word of God began to prevail. There was such an effect in that city. It was unstoppable. Man, and we, the church doesn't preach against sin anymore. What is sin anymore, right? sin anymore there is no sin it's all mistakes and issues and 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 uh, and you know we have other names for it 
But in the church, there's way too much. I, I seem like we read in the Old Testament, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'm telling you, there's, so, there's pornography, there's sexual sin, there's lust, there's drugs, there's act In this room tonight, there's all kind of issues that are going on. We can put our head in the sand, be like ostriches and act like it's not there. It is there. Hear what I'm saying in the Holy Ghost. It is there. But if we'll just repent, I know a name, that same name that can deliver, can cover every one of those sins. Powerful name of Jesus. They turn and they repent. Stand with me right now. I'm closing. Woo. Oh, my goodness. They confess their deeds, their sins. Dump their secret stashes. Five. Five million dollars worth of little idols and trinkets and whatnot. They didn't sell this stuff. They destroyed it. So powerful. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Mightily. It wasn't just reasoning, dialogue, and miracles, was it? It's also when, you know, judgment must first begin at the house of the Lord, Peter said, quoting the Old Testament. It's when the believers said, oh, okay, I'm done with the idol stuff. I believe in Jesus, but I've been hanging on to this other stuff, you know, just in case. I know I had a slow journey in my faith walk. I had some idols. I had to get rid of those idols. You've had some of those idols. You've had to get rid of them. Some of us have some idols still. I'm telling you, the call of the Lord is, the, the, the word of God prevailed. Listen, it didn't just happen because of the word being preached and miracles. It took place when the church said, I'm going to get in alignment with authority and with the name that I, I, I want to be. I, wanna, I don't want to be like Sceva's boys. I want to be authentic. How many of you want to be real, the real deal? How many of you want you want to lay your hands on the sick and see them recover? Maybe that's a dream and a vision in your heart. If it's not, it ought to be. You want to be able to speak that name and demons tremble. You're known in hell. I know Penny. I know Jesus and I know Penny. Well, the woman will pray. She'll wreak hell on my kingdom. Telling all the demonic force, you better watch out for Penny. Better watch out for Tammy. Better watch out for Miriam. You better watch out for these young people. They're the real deal. They're not in it for the click and the peer and the show and the joke and the game. They're in it for keeps. For keep. They're not playing games. 2017 is not a year to play games. 2017 is a year to buckle down. And in the beginning of this year, we're going to just start getting rid of our idols. Here's my social media. Here's my food. Here's my will. Here's my lack of self-control. Here's my stuff, Lord. Here's my stash. Here it is. It's yours. I'm going to line up because I want to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Can you lift your hands to him right now? Can you just, just lift your hands?
Commit yourself to him right now. Father, wherein shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed there unto your word. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, Lord. God, I want some authenticity. I want some, I want some genuineness. Take me back, God. I want a revival in, in Donovan. I want a revival in my own life. I want a revival in my family. I want a revival in our church, God. Let, let's let it start with the church this year, God. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the simple. Let's get back to the real. We're not playing games. It's, it, we're in it for keeps, for keeps, for keeps. It's the real deal, Lord. I want to be real. don't want to be like seven sons of Sceva. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be trying to be like somebody else. I want to be who you've called me to be, God. I want to step up to the next level and the next level and the next level, Lord. I want to be that man. I want to be that man in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in his name. Oh, 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 oh. There's power in his name. There is power in his name. Sing it again. Listen, if you have a need, want special prayer tonight, come on up front right now. We want to pray for you right now. There is power in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God is in this house tonight to give some direction, to give some wisdom, to touch, to give some strength and some power. Hallelujah. Anybody else, you need prayer tonight. God's going to touch you. The name of Jesus is great. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. 